0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. The other day I was watching something on TV, and I can't remember, you know, when it's kind of on and you're not really paying attention, but you can hear it. Um, I heard some someone or something I think it was Will Smith or something uh, reference uh, an old sitcom called The Jeffersons. Do you guys anybody remember the Jeffersons? I know these kids might not because they 're like what um, but there was an old there was an old uh, sitcom called the Jeffersons Now, when my granddaughter comes over and we have some of these shows on, like some of you might remember the Munsters or you might remember. Uh, gun Gunsmoke. somebody met, referenced Gunsmoke yesterday. Now that's really old, that was before me. But anyways, um, family ties or family matters. Anybody remember family matters with Steve Urkel? Did I do that? She always goes, Grandpa, why are you watching these olden day shows? That's what she calls them, olden day shows. Anyways, one of the olden day shows is a sitcom called The Jefferson's. Now, it was about a fella by the name of George and his wife named Wheezy. Well, she wasn't Wheezy. It was just George and Wheezy. And if you remember the premises, they were old folks that were living in Queens, barely could barely make ends meet, and all of a sudden, they become very, very prosperous through his dry-cleaning stores. They were able to move from Queens over to... Manhattan, And, of course, you remember the song, right? Well, we're moving on up to the east side, right? We finally got a piece of the pie. Anybody remember that? Anyone? Okay, a few of us. I don't like that the the young kids are here looking at me like, what are you talking about? But that's okay. That's okay. It was way back in the olden days, okay? So anyways, um, so so that was the theme song. Now, think about this olden day show. Because... I'm trying to connect a point to where it reminds me of Ephesians. You go, well, how so? Well, we too were once poor and broke and destitute, right? But in Christ, we're now moving on up. We're moving on up. And as I was thinking about this, another story jumped out with the same premise. This is a true story, though. Although the Jeffersons was a sitcom, this is a true story. In 1916, 1916... A woman named Hetty Green died. When she did, they discovered that she had left an estimated value of $100 million. That's an enormous amount of money today. It was even astronomical amount back in those days. Hetty Green may have been wealthy, but here's the plot twist. She was known as America's greatest miser. She would often eat cold oatmeal because it was too costly to heat the water to cook it. Once, when her son suffered a severe leg injury, she spent so much time looking for a free clinic that the leg actually had to be amputated. She even hastened her own death by allowing herself to get so worked up into a fit of rage over an argument over skim milk because it was cheaper than whole milk. Hetty Green was a woman who possessed great, great wealth, but she did not have the ability to tap into it. And the book of Ephesians, church, was written to people just like that. This is a letter that Paul wrote somewhere around 61 to 63 A.D., Paul is writing this from a Roman prison, if you will. The city of Ephesus is interesting because it's located at the mouth of the, of the Castor River. It's on the east side of the Aegean Sea. It was the capital city of the Roman province of Asia. It was a wealthy city known as a political, commercial, and educational center. If you're taking note and you're a history buff, it was called the Queen City of Asia. This was Ephesus. It had a massive temple there. The Temple of Diana was there in Ephesus. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. In Paul's day, the city boasted a population, check this out, of about 300,000 people. And yet, this city was steeped in deep paganism, immorality, and wickedness. That's the city of Ephesus. Can we relate or what? The city of Lubbock is about 250 plus. We we have some wealthy folks. We are very political and and so forth. Could you imagine if Paul was writing this letter to us? But nonetheless, I regress. If you recall from last week in our introduction, we talked how chapter 1 opens with a beautiful Jewish style poem. Now, the key to this chapter is the wealth that the blessings we have as Christians. Now, here's what you need to understand. Spiritual blessings that are ours because we're in Christ. You can see that in verse 3. So what does Paul do? Paul informs each person that each person of the Godhead. Who's that? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit has blessed us has blessed us. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, what you need to know is we're going to learn that this is how God blessed us. Next week, we're going to see that Paul prays that we would actually understand these blessings. How so? So that they can be power in our lives. That's so key. That's so key. Because if we go through verse 1 through 14 and I tell you how you're blessed and you go, yeah, 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 okay, and you don't get it, then you're going to walk out those doors the same way you walked in. And the Lord says, no, 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 I have so much more for you. I have so much more for you. Here's the thing, up until now, we've been good. Can I get an amen? Amen. But God wants us to change. He wants us to go, wow. You see, He wants to use you at your job. He wants to use you at your school. He wants to use you. Wherever you are, He wants to use you. And that's what we're going to learn Today. So with that mindset, I've already got that song stuck in your head. With that mindset of moving on up, today's lesson, we're going to see, jot these down, six operative words that will change the way we see ourselves. Six operative words. These are the ones, okay? And in the case of George and Wheezy, note with me, we're going to move to a six floor, high-rise building in the rich part of town. That's what we're going to do. Okay, six floors. You go, six floors? That's not a high-rise. Remember, we're in Israel and nothing was ever one story in Israel. And so now Paul's going to build us a six-story high-rise because we're moving on up. Okay, you ready? So that's where we're going to start. Let's start with the greeting because we talked about the introduction last week. Look with me, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, 1 and 2. It says, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's unpack this verses before we move into our luxury apartment in the sky. Okay, let's unpack this. Now, keep in mind that in Israel, again, a one-story house was all they saw. So we have six-story high-rise that's going to be amazing. But, of course, you know I'm talking about what? I'm talking about spiritual. Spiritual. Spiritual, okay? So who is the author? Who is the author of this book? Well, Paul identifies himself right here, Paul, an apostle, but also in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So who's the author? It's obviously the apostle Paul. But he identifies him as an apostle. An apostle, if you have a pencil handy, circle that word, because it means sent one. We get our root word uh, messenger or missionary. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. Now, what you need to know, so that you guys stay in the realm of good theology, we don't have an official office as an apostle today. Now, you will see some churches that go, well, this is apostle so-and-so. The only problem I have with that is one of the criterias to be an apostle is you have to see the risen Lord. And a, a lot of people haven't seen, I mean, I, Paul on the road to Damascus saw the risen Lord. So, so yes, yes, I mean, we're, we're missionaries, we're sent ones, but we don't have an official office. But here's the key, guys. We're all sent ones. We're all missionaries. You need to understand that. Okay, You need to stop and put on some um, Jesus-colored glasses in your life. What do you mean? You see, you're a missionary. You're a missionary. I'm not a missionary. Yeah, you see, your missionary, it starts where? Well, it's not overseas missionary. It starts with your job. The job that you have is your mission field. The neighborhood that you're in is your mission field. The people you come in contact, that's your mission field. And again, this is where it starts. It starts with going, oh, okay. So I need to, this, oh, oh, okay. So Paul says, I'm a I'm an apostle. I'm a sent one. Of who? Of Jesus Christ. He says this, notice, and go ahead and underline this, by the will of God. By the will of God. An apostle, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, here's what I want you to do. Take a moment to put your name where Paul's is and what your calling is. And remember, it's by the will of God and not man. Not man. You go, well, Ben, I'm not sure what the task is. Would it be something like this? For me, it would be Ben, pastor, teacher, evangelist, by the will of God. That's who I am. This is, this is who I am. This is what God has called me to do by His will. Now, it is so important, church, listen, for you and I to know the will of God in our life. Well, Pastor, how do I know the will of God? You can know the will of God by what you're doing right now. You go, "Well, pastor, here's the thing. I'm 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 just a mom." Don't ever say just a mom. "Well, pastor, I'm just a wife." Don't ever say just a wife. Okay? You need to walk in the calling that you are right now. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're a mom, a wife, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, you know, a a, a student in college, it doesn't matter where you are. These are great callings. Some of us might just be a prayer warrior. Hey, pastor, I'm just, I just, I I don't, I can't really serve, but I can pray. Then you would say, insert your name here. I'm a prayer warrior by the will of God. By the will of God. You see, these are great calling, but here's what I want you to do. Make sure it's the will of God. Make sure it's the will of God. You go, how so? A lot of times we want to walk in the will of men. We want to walk in what other people think we should walk in. Okay? Very, very important. And what happens is that when we do that, we tend to get out of our lanes. Come on, someone. We're running in our own lane and we go, hey, I really like your lane. I'm going to come over here, but you're not meant to be in that lane. You're meant to walk in the calling that God has called you to. Ben, a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist by the will of God. Yes, I like I'm not called to be an administrator. I can do administration. I'm just not called to it. You understand that. Some of you can be, uh, insert your name here, but you might be a counselor by the will of God. Where other people will go, this is my counseling. Get over it. Here's the Bible. Do it. What are you What is wrong with you? You go, oh, that's not much of a counselor. Where a gifted counselor would be able to go, oh, tell me about it. Let's go, let's. And, and they're gifted. You, you ever have that? They're gifted. So some of us are not gifted counselors. Well, they just need to do what I tell them and move, move on. Find out. Here's the thing, church. Find out what the will of God is in your life. Find out what the will. God, what have you called me to do? Now, the will of God in your life might be for a season. You might be in a season where you're just like, this is what God's called me to do for today. I don't know what he's going to be six months from now. I don't know what he's going to be two two years from now. But today I'm going to walk in that calling. And if your calling is to be a husband to your wife, be a good husband to your wife. If your calling is to be a good wife to your husband, be a good wife. Walk in the calling of the Lord. Walk in the calling. Why? Well, again, let's look at it. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he says, by the will of God. Everybody say will. will. Say it again. Will. Here's why. If you have a pencil handy, very, very important because if you circle that word will, here's what it means. I love it. It means choice, purpose, and pleasure. Choice, purpose, and pleasure. You go, wow, that's cool. Why? Because think about what Paul says. Paul An apostle by the choice of God, by the purpose of God, and by the pleasure of God. Do you realize that when you walk in God's will, Jesus is his, it's 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 his pleasure. It's his pleasure. It's his pleasure. Church, listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to disappoint God. I don't want to walk outside my calling or quit. Or quit. And God's like, oh, I was taking so much pleasure in you, Ben. You were walking in my will. Don't quit. Don't quit. Just keep walking. It's his choice. He, He called you. He chose you. That's his purpose. That's his purpose. So who's he writing to? Well, we see the audience. The audience, notice what he says. To the saints who are in Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So who's Paul writing to? Guys, you can circle that. He's writing to us. You go, whoa, 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 pastor. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we're in Lubbock. We're not in Ephesus, okay? Hello? No, 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 I got you. Why? Because he says, to the faithful who are in Christ Jesus. So this message is for you. This message is for you. If you're here and you're the faithful in Christ, He's writing to you. He's writing to you. You're the faithful. Pastor, I have a confession to make. I haven't been real faithful lately. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Because He's going to go back and He says, I'm writing to who? The saints. The saints. Who are the saints well, growing up in the religion that I did, we had saints these were these were men and women who did extraordinary and then and then they went through the process and then, and then when they died they made him they made him a saint that's not what that's not what this word means. you ready? You guys know this, I know that, but if you don't let me let me just say this: a saint is this it means anyone who is a faithfully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is called a saint you're a saint now I would be St. Ben. I like that. I like that. What would your name be? Ooh. Oh, St. Nathalie. That's pretty cool. St. Joe. St. You guys get the point, right? Now, we don't have a cool name like Jeremiah or Abel because those are pretty cool. St. Jeremiah, that's pretty cool. I hope there's no Bernards in here, is there? Because then you would be. <laughs> so a saint is a believer in Jesus. A saint is a believer. You don't have to jump jump to any hoops. You just just need to believe. You just need to believe. Notice his greeting. He says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what you need to know. Grace and peace are Siamese twins. He always writes them, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. He always writes this, but dig a little deeper. Here's what I want you to see. You cannot have peace until you first understand the grace of God in your life. You will never, I just don't have any peace in my life. I don't have any peace. Go back to the grace of God. Go back back to the grace of God. Listen to me, church. When we try to work for our salvation, we will never have peace. We will, cause how much is enough? Did I do enough, Lord? I, I gotta do more. How much is enough? No, no, no. I, I put my faith and trust in what Jesus did, and then that brings the peace in my life, and I can, I can go to bed knowing, Lord, it's, it's because of you. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Church, listen to me. If you don't have the peace of God in your heart, go back and try to understand what grace is. What grace is. You go, what is grace? Well, whatever it is, it, I know it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, does it not? So we've got to start at the beginning. Go to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what happens is that once you understand grace, a natural byproduct is peace. Is peace, grace. Now, think about this. I think that's important as believers going out into the world with our focus on reaching those that are far from Christ. How so? Understanding how God sees us and the grace that he's bestowed on us, we should have grace on other people. We should have grace on other people. Why? Because, listen, every one of us in this room have made mistakes. Come on, we've made mistakes. We've made choices that we thought we would never make. We're all the, that's Okay. But it's when we go, oh, well, you, you, you're you, doing this and you're doing that, and I would never, that's, that's not cool. Because we need to go, oh, God's grace. Now listen, I don't condone sin, but I can understand. Come on, get up. Get up. That's why we say we're going to love people back to life. We're going to love people back to life. Why? How many of you, whenever you've made a mistake, the enemy comes in and tells you that you're not a Christian, you're not even saved. You don't even know what you're doing and that you should just give up. He does that right away. Boom. But the point is, is that, no, we're, we're under God's grace. We're under God's grace. So he says, oh, here's the thing. Grace to you. That means the charis. But here's what I love. He says peace. Peace is, is in, in the Greek, it's, it's actually iranē irony and here's what it means it means quietness and rest. Quietness and rest. Do you have that in your life? Quietness and rest. Go, you know, Pastor, I'm so busy, I'm running around all over the place I'm like a I'm like a chicken with his head cut off. Go back to the grace of God. There's still, there's still that quietness and there's still that rest. You're like, okay, Lord. Okay. okay. Where does it come from? Well, Paul writes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you guys see that? Now, let me give you just a real quick side note. The Lord Jesus Christ is not his first, middle, and last name. Okay? You need to know that. It's not the Lord, that's not here here it is. Let's break it down. The word Lord is curios, and it means supreme authority. It's a respectful title. Whenever you say yes, Lord, you're submitting to his authority. You cannot say yes, Lord, and disobey. Come on, somebody. You cannot say, Yes, Lord. Do you remember do you remember the Apostle Paul? May it never be Lord or I will never do that. Lord, I mean, I mean, I'm not Paul, Peter. Peter was always the one going, and and you can't, because it's listen, many people have made Jesus Savior, but they have a hard time making him Lord. To come under his submission and go, He is Lord. He is Lord of my life. I'm no longer ruler of my life. I'm no longer the ruler. The Lord is. So anything that happens to me has to go through God first. He is the Lord of my life. Number two, he says he's Jesus. He's Jesus. It's Yahshua. It's Joshua. It's Jehovah saves. That's the name they named him, but it's really Jehovah saves. And the word Christ is Christos, and it means anointed one, Messiah. So it's not his first, middle, and last name. It's he is Lord, his supreme authority, respectful title. He's the one who saves, and he is the only one that's anointed. He is the Messiah, the Meshach that people are looking for. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Fully God, fully man, that's who he is. This is what Paul starts off. Is that deep already? I mean, you're just like, golly, we're only two verses in, and it's like, whoa! But now we jump into the poem. Now we jump into the poem. Why? Because we're moving on up. Okay? One thing to consider as we look at verses 3 to 14 is Paul is talking about spiritual blessings and not material. Now, listen to me. There's nothing wrong with being blessed materially. There's nothing wrong. God blesses us materially. He gives us stuff. He blesses us. Can I ask you to do this? When a brother and sister in Christ is being blessed, don't harsh their mellow. You know what I mean? We're always like, I don't know why you're, why God bless you? Listen, the Bible says when, when, when God is blessing another, bride, amen, we should rejoice with them. Hey, I got a promotion, amen, <laughs> that's awesome. We should be, I mean, guys, because God blesses us. God blesses us. Sometimes we're always thinking, well, I don't know why they and not me. That's not, our, that's, not a, that's not the Christian's heart. The Christian's heart is like, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm always excited when Joe hits a good ball on the golf course. Because it's very rare and I want to bless him. Love you, brother. (laughs) He's going to get me, I'm telling you. He's going to get me. But what Paul is talking about is heavenly blessings in Christ Jesus. So, jot this down somewhere in your Bible. In Christ, or in Him, is used 42 times... In this book alone, in him, in him. And just a side note, if you ever listen to our radio program, it's called In Christ Radio. Because this is kind of where it came from. We're in Christ. We're in Christ. 42 times. Your position. This is your position as a believer in Christ. Chosen and sealed. This is your position. This is how God sees you. That should be a great place for an amen one person. All right. Come on, guys. That's it. This is how God sees you. You go, well, I don't know yet. Okay, well, let's go. Let's go. Okay, I got you. I got you. You see, sometimes our current state could be that of a pauper or a vagabond, or at least sometimes that's how we feel. Yet the Lord has found us and shows us who we really are. Why is that important? Because you'll hear somebody go, man, that day I found Jesus. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. And he's always looking. And this, is, this book explains it, man. You weren't looking for the Lord. There's none of us that went looking for the Lord. He found us. That's a good way. Amen. Thank God he found me. But here's what I want you to say. Listen, you guys with me? There's a lot of people out in Lubbock that he wants to find. And he wants to use us. He wants to use our life. He wants to use our outreach. He wants to use this little church to bring him in as family, to make him feel loved, to make him feel accepted, to help him grow in the Word. There's a lot of people out there. We have to do our part. We have to do our part. okay? And so what does he do? Man, he comes in and he, he finds us and he shows us who we really are in him. Not so that we can become prideful. But so we can reach others that are far from him. I want you to think for just a moment. Just for a brief moment. Think about Hosea. You guys remember Hosea in the Old Testament? Hosea, man, listen. Hosea loved and he warned the people even though they laughed at him. You see, see, Israel was being blessed but judgment was coming. Hosea says, hey, listen, here's what you can do. You're, You're doing that. And they're like... Really Hosea? Come on. And then God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute. And she's going to cheat on you. Hosea loves God so much and he loves the people that he does what God says. And they still wouldn't turn to the Lord. He loved them. I think about this. Think about Jeremiah, not this guy, the prophet. Guys, think about him. Jeremiah. Not a single convert. Jeremiah preached and preached and preached and preached, and yet he never quit. Felt like it. Lord, I'm not doing this no more. And what did he say? Oh, but that fire was shut up in my bones. I've got to. I've got to. Think about Paul, the apostle Paul. Think about him getting beat so bad, left for dead outside the city. Hey, Paul, you okay? Huh? Oh, that was brutal. Woo. Well, let's get out of here, man. These people don't love you. Let's leave. You know what Paul says? No, no. I've got to go back in and tell them about Jesus. I've got to tell them. Guys, think about that. Think about that. Why? What, 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 was, what was about Hosea? What was about Jeremiah? What was about Paul? What did they have that were missing? What do they have? That they're, they just love people so much that they're willing to do what... what did, I'm telling you what they had. They understood who they were in Christ. They understood their identity. They understood how they're super blessed. They understood how their sins are forgiven. They don't have to worry about that anymore. They understood all of this. Oh, listen, I can't keep it in me. I've got to share. I've got to tell someone. I've got to tell someone. And not only tell someone, I've got to work real hard so they understand. They can live a life. So, Ephesians chapter 3, here we go. He says this Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. First thing we notice in these verses is that God has, that what? We see what God is blessed and that He blesses us. You go, what does He bless us with? Every. Everybody say every. every. And one more time. Every. One more time. Every. Spiritual blessing. Not just how he doesn't look down and he go, oh, there's Joseph over there. I'll give him half. He, he, wouldn't, he, he hadn't really prayed to me this week. I'm going to give him half. Every spiritual blessing. Boom. Okay? Every spiritual blessing in, and in the, in the Greek word is heavenlies, in heavenlies in Christ, which is key. Because the blessings that you get have to be in Christ. In Christ. You go, well, what does blessed mean? Well, think about this. It's an expression of praise. It's an expression of praise. It's known as the Hebrew word um, berakah. Berakah. B-E-R-A-K-H-A-A. And it means blessings. And it means blessings. What is Paul doing? Paul is just looking he goes, praise God. For what he's done through Christ. And then he reminds the believer of their status and privilege in Christ. He's looking at God, going, Wow, look what you did. You blessed all of these people. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And I love that within the poem, church that Paul's going to highlight the roles of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We're going to see that all in these. See if you can catch them. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. This is the blessings. Okay? So what are we doing? Okay, everybody, we're building our first floor high-rise. The construction crew is here. Okay, Philip is here. He's he's overseeing the construction process because that's what he does. And so he comes, and he goes, okay, let's get the first floor ready. Verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Okay, so here's the first floor operative word. I draw your attention to this phrase. You ready? Don't don't be afraid to circle it or highlight it. He chose us in him. Here's the word chose. Okay, in the Greek, it's eklo, eklegomiai. And it means to select to choose it's a choice, it's a choice, okay, so what does Paul say? This is good, this is so good. Paul applies to believers to you and I a concept that used to be foreign to us. It was natural to and it was always applied to the the what to Israel alone. if you go to Deuteronomy chapter seven six through eight you'll see that that he chose Israel, but now he's coming and he goes, I choose you. I choose you. It's a choice. It's a select you. You. Just as the Heavenly Father chose Israel as his treasured possession, listen to me, he now chooses us to receive the blessings of Mediated through Christ, he chooses us. Isn't that a neat thing? Because sometimes we won't even choose our own self. And I love the fact that we are such a mess, and yet God in his great and perfect love says, I'm going to choose them. I'm going to choose them. I want to bless them. Now, we have to be careful with blessings because, because you'll get some other pastors and televangelists and so forth that will take this and go, well, there you go, we want to be blessed. And blessing to them is always material. i got to have this. i got to have this. money and Cadillacs and so forth and houses and all this. That's not what it means. It means spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings is peace in your home. Spiritual blessings is peace in your heart. It's allowing Him to guide you. Spiritual blessings, there's so much. And so what does He do? He looks at you and He chose you. If you've given your life to Him, He chose you. Wow. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus on the cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago and if you were to say, Lord, what's on your mind? He was thinking of you. I know Yvonne's going to come to me. I know she's going to turn and she's going to be one of my daughters. Wow. Wow. He chose us. He chose us. He chose us believers to receive the blessings in Him. He didn't have to do that. But He did. Verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted and beloved. Okay? Now, before we go on to the second story, let's go back to the first story because he chose us in him before what? The foundation of the world. So we even go back more than the cross. He says, I chose you. To do what? Notice what he says. To be holy and without blame before him in love. In love. Guys, he wants us to walk holy and without blame. Now, when I was reading this this morning, going over my notes, I'm going, I can't do that. That's hard. I can't. It's hard to be blameless. I mean, I could try really, really hard to be holy. And then he reminded me, in him I am. In him I am. That sounds, like a, that sounds like one of those books, you know, Sam I Am, In Him I Am, you know, one of those crazy books. But that's, that's, the, that's the whole point. Before the foundation, he chose you. you. Listen, if you get this, it'll change your life. It'll, you'll, never, you'll never look at your life again. Your identity is being changed. And I love the fact that it's not identity theft. He's actually telling you who you are, who you are. But he's also predestined us. Oh, wait a minute, Pastor. I've heard that word predestination. Well, now Philip has said we're building second floor. First floor is the chosen. Second floor is predestination. Okay? And we're predestined. We're predestined. He predestined us to adoption. Do do y'all remember if you had siblings when you were little? You always used to tease your younger brothers that they were adopted, that they were not part of the family. (laughs) <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, we adopted you. We found you by the side of the road. I was like, are you serious? I used, to, I used to look at my brother and go, man, I look nothing like you guys. I must have been adopted. Well, the Lord says, no, 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 guess what? He predestined us to adoption. He's adopting us. Now, but, but it's a lot different than you think. Because when you think of adoption, you think of someone going, well, they have no place to go. I guess we'll adopt them. I guess we'll bring them into the family. But it's a little bit different. A little bit different, but let me back up because I'm getting ahead of myself. The word predestined in the original Greek is prozeo, and it means to predetermine, to determine before, to ordain or declare. This is what God is doing. He He has predetermined, He has determined beforehand, He has ordained, He has declared us to be adopted. God has determined beforehand that all those who believe in Christ would be adopted into his family and be conformed into his son. But let me say this to you, it also involves a choice. A choice. It's a choice on his part, and it's done in love, and it's also a choice on our part. You go, what do you mean? Here, in Christian circles, you hear the word predestination. And they'll say, basically, in predestination... That that's who you are and you have no choice. You've been predestined to be a Christian and you can fight it all you want, but eventually you're going to be a Christian. That's not what the word means. The word means that you and I are actually it, both His choice and our responsibility as a choice. What do you mean? Well, the best way that I can just grab this huge theological word is really, it's very interesting, okay? The first thing is something like this. Let's say... As your pastor, now I've got to be careful because the way I was going to illustrate this sounds like there's, it would be a cult, okay? So I have to be careful. But let's just say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to use that one because that sounds so much like a cult and it ends up bad for them. Let's say that I've had several kids. I don't know if you knew this, but Nathalie never told this to me, but she, I think she wanted like six or eight kids when we first got married. We have two, but she wanted more. I didn't know that. But let's say that we did have the six kids, let's say we had six kids and I wanted all my kids with me. I wanted my kids with me. I love my kids. So I said, honey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out and we're going to buy, how many kids do I have? Six. I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy 12 acres of land. I'm going to sell it. And we're going to have our house and every kid's going to get, they're going to get a house and two acres to live on every kid. I've predestined them to live with me in their own, in the property of my land. you guys understand that that's my heart. I want them to live with me now it's not close two acres is pretty big, so I, you know I mean there's still there's still some room, but I want them close to me. but every one of them has a choice, and as they grow up, they go, no, I don't think I want to live in that land I don't think I want to live with you, Dad. I'm going to go out and do my own thing. No, 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 no. You understand. I predestined you to live here. This is all yours. It's free. Come get it. That's the choice. That's the choice. And you're like, wow, it's that easy. Yeah, see, God predestined you. He chose you. And then he says, but listen, love isn't love unless you choose me. And it breaks my heart that you would make a choice not to be with me in heaven. And I'll keep going after you but I'm not going to force you to live. Listen, can you imagine I go to my, can you imagine, me, you know, go to my daughters and sons and whatever kids I have? Only have two, so don't. And say you're going to live with me. You don't have a choice. What's that going to create, church? Rebellion, right? Well, my dad's not letting me be my own person. My dad does this. My, no, no, no. You know what? I open it up. I say, I love you. This is yours. Look, it's a beautiful house. you got two acres of land. Come. Come. And they say, I would love that. That's predestination. That's what he's saying. And what, what's he telling us, guys? Look, he predestined us to adoption. He's going to adopt us by the son's of Jesus Christ according to his good pleasure to the praise of glory by grace in which he made us accepted and beloved so here's what you need to know if anyone asks you are you adopted what do you say like <laughs> yes wait what what you can say yes who who adopted you a wonderful jewish king a wonderful well, what, what would happen? Well, here's what you need to know. It was Warren Wearsby who writes this. Adoption in the New Testament refers to the official act of a father who bestows the status of full adulthood to the son of a minor status. You go, Ben, what is he saying? It's not that he's taking in an outsider, he writes, and placing them as a family member in, right into the privileges... And the blessings of adulthood. He's not pulling us from the outside. Here's what he says. It means that even the youngest Christian has everything in Christ has in the richness of grace. Okay? He's placing us, no matter who you are, he gives every one of this. You go, what does that mean? If you've been walking with Jesus for 45 years, he says, this is your blessing. If you've been walking with Jesus two days, this is your blessing. That's what adoption means. So once you give your life to the Lord, you're like, wow, I'm adopted. I'm adopted to His good pleasure. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, man, in the pleasure of His will. Listen, you realize that God takes pleasure in you. That's hard sometimes because we know how we are. We know how we think. We know some of our hearts. We know some of our attitudes. And the Lord's like, no, no, no. Why does He take pleasure in us? Because he sees Christ in us. That's his good pleasure. That's his good pleasure. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 7. He says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which made to abound toward all the wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure, which he purposed to himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together one and all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him. Okay, we've finished construction floor number one. We're in number two. This is construction floor. This is the third floor of our spiritual high rise. This is an operative word. You go, what's that? In Christ, you and I, we have redemption through his blood. We have been Redeemed, But I want you to circle that word because it's going to blow you away. How so? He says, in him we have redemption. What does that mean? You can circle it because it's translated salvation, deliverance, redemption, purchased. Those are the words. You go, wow. What does Paul write? He says, look at me, look at me, look at me. You guys, in Christ, in Christ, you have been saved. You've been delivered. You've been redeemed. He actually purchased you. You belong to Him. You belong to Him. That is good news. That is good news. How did He do it, though? Notice. How did He do it? Through His blood. Through His blood. You see... The Lord Jesus Christ came down. He walked this earth for, for 33 years. He was nailed to a cross for our sins. He says, I've redeemed you. I've saved you. That is the central and the focal point. And you go, why is that important? And here's why. Because when the enemy comes in in your life and tells you you're a mess up, you're a loser, you're never going to amount to anything, You should just give it up. You're broken, you're a pauper, you're rags, all of this stuff. Or, hey, you really messed up last week. You know what? You can point to the cross and say, I know. But that's why Jesus died. You see, because if I was anything else, then I could work my own way to my own salvation, and I don't need the cross of Christ. Listen to me, church. You can't save yourself. We need a Savior. You can't deliverance doesn't come by you being a very good boy or girl. Redemption doesn't come only but through Him, because He purchased you by His blood. He purchased you. Have you ever purchased something? You Ever purchased? You go, of course. Duh, that's yours, isn't it? You take it home. You take care of it. You do whatever you need to do. It's something you purchased. That's well, the same thing with the Lord. He goes, I purchased you. You're mine. So why wouldn't he take care of us? Why wouldn't he bless us? Why wouldn't he walk with us? Why does life have to be such a struggle? I'll tell you why. Because we don't understand who we are in Christ. You realize there's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, and we don't tap into that resource. We're so rich spiritually, and we walk around like we're poor. Now again, not for pride, not so we go, oh look at me, I'm I'm one of those Christians. (laughs) It's so that we can walk humble and that we can win others to Christ and that we can be prayer warriors and that we can we can just glorify God in everything that we do. Everything we do. In Him we're saved. Delivered, redeemed through his blood. Now, here's the thing. Notice what he says. He says he's forgiven our sins. Our sins. Are you walking in that church? The forgiveness of sins? Here's why. Because a forgiven person forgives people, a forgiven person is forgiving. We're not holding men's sins against them because I don't want God to hold men's sins against me. So if I understand forgiveness, he's forgiven me? Wow. Then I can extend that same grace. Come on, somebody. You can extend that same grace. Oh, man. Oh, man. No, pastor, you don't understand. They hurt me. They said mean things about me. They didn't like my shoes. Oh, okay. I'm not going to forgive them. We forgive. Amen. Amen, well, here's one. They didn't ask me to forgive me to forgive them, no, but it's going to be in my heart. I want that at the forefront. Yesterday at the men's group, church here if you weren't there, you need to be there, but here's the thing. We realize that we have made more mistakes as believers than we did as non-believers, and it's and it's crazy. why? Because we're human, and we and we're trying, but we've made more mistakes and we're like, oh, but thank God that he's forgiven those. He's forgiven. You go, Ben, well, what does it exactly mean that he forgives? Well, circle that in your Bible. Okay, yeah, I want you to mark up your Bible all over the place. Why? Because the word forgiven literally means to send away. That's what he does. He, take, he send them away. Sin is a terrible burden that is sent away when the sinner turns to Christ. Christ carried the burden on the cross. You can look it up, First Peter 2, 24. But that's what he's done. He said he's forgiven him. He sent your sins away. How many of you are chasing after your sins? Well, what? That's silly. No, no, no. That's what we do, don't we? How? I don't know if God forgave me. I don't know if He's really. For, I don't know if He's really forgiving me. Why? Because you live with the guilt of what you've done. Here's what you need to understand: In Christ, He sent those sins away. Let them go. Let it go. Let it go. Right. Boom. Gone. I chase after my sins sometimes. Sometimes I feel more Christian like when I live with the guilt of all the things that I've oh God, help me. No, he says, let it go. He sent them away. I can live. I can live a victorious life knowing that my sins are gone. All right? That's what he's saying. That's what, guys, I'm telling you, this is this is so. So deep. Do you guys remember in the Old Testament? It was this. This right here is a picture of the scapegoat. You remember how they would do the scapegoat? They touched the goat, and all the sins would be transferred. Israel's um uh, sins would be transferred to the goat, and then they'd let the goat run off, and he was he was called the scapegoat. Boom! And Israel would go, Yes! Why? Because all there goes their sins run off. Only it didn't last because Israel sinned again. But the New Testament. Fourth floor construction, he says, he has made known the mystery. Do you guys see that? The mystery. And I want you to circle that word because that's an operative word. Verse 9, having made known to us, here he is, the mystery of his will. According to the good pleasure, you go, what is mystery? What is he talking about? Well, uh, the the Greek word is secret silence imposed by the initiation of religious rites. Okay, it's used six times, jot that down, in Ephesians and actually four times in Colossians. Here's what it refers to. The plan of salvation, which is formerly kept secret, but now is being revealed in Christ. This plan includes the unification of Jews and Gentiles into one people of God. You go, wait a minute, Ben, that sounds a lot like the church. The church. That's exactly what he did. He says, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, make up, I'm going to make up a church. I'm going to make up a church. How are you going to do that? I'm going to bring everybody in. I'm not going to see color, nationality. I'm not going to see any of this. I'm going to bring, we're all in Christ. We're all part of the family. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. If you go with us to Israel next year, we take this amazing trip from the Dead Sea. We'll come up will go under this tunnel, and they'll be playing, and you'll, you'll, you'll come right into Jerusalem. And if you look at my wife, she's bawling. Coming into Jerusalem. It's such emotional. Why? Is Natalie Jewish? No, she's not Jewish. But she's tied in, and she's grafted into the vine. That when you get there, you'll go, man, this is home. You understand? That's why. It's done through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he's saying. It's the church. And he's going, no, no, no. It's not that Gentiles are blessed because we saw that the Gentiles are blessed in the Old Testament. Here's what he's saying. It means Jews and Gentiles will be joint heirs with the body of Christ. That's the mystery. That's why the Old Testament were like, I don't understand the mystery. Even when Jesus walked in the Gospels, they didn't understand the mystery. It's still now that Paul starts to explain, wow. Why is that key? Here's why. Do you realize that the Jewish people thought that Gentiles were only created so they could keep the fires of hell going? And through Christ, we're brothers? Wow. Only Jesus could do that. Reconcile us, graft us in to where we're one. Don't you love that? Yeah. Israel's still God's chosen nation. The Jewish is still God's chosen people. But so are we. So are we, in Christ. In Christ. Look over at verse 6 real quick in Ephesians chapter 3, or you could look on the screen. Here's what he says, and I'm reading New Living Translation. And this is God's plan. What's that? Both Gentiles and Jews who believe in the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body. Both enjoy the promise of the blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Your attention, please. Listen to me. And this is an application for us. If God said the mystery is a church where Jews and Gentiles would be together, I think we can take that into our own local body and say, we are the church. What does that mean? We are created to do life together. We're created to be one. We're created to go, listen, here's the beauty of it. He says, listen, we're part of the same body. If somebody in our church hurts, we need to come alongside them. If we need to hurt with them, we need to hurt with them. If somebody in our church is blessed, we need to rejoice with them. We need to be excited. This is is what God is calling us to do. Why? There's a group of people, a lot of people in Lubbock, Texas, that are so far from God, and He wants to use us in these next few months to go, hey, come be part of this family. I want you to feel loved. I want you to feel accepted. I want you to feel like you've got a family. And even if you go through good times or bad times, whatever it might be, if you're at the mountaintop or you're in the valley, you still have a family. You have a family. That's the greatest thing that our kids that are, that are hurting today are lacking. They're feeling accepted and they're feeling loved. They're feeling loved. And we have to reach out. We don't condone sin. We don't go, well, we love you at all costs. We say, no, 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 here, you're headed for destruction. Let me help you love you. Let me, let me just walk with you. What's he talking about? Again, spiritual blessings. Moving on, verse 11. Okay, this is the fifth floor. We're getting high, guys, we're getting high. In Him we also obtained an inheritance, being, there's that word again, predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. And we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Okay, Phillip's in, we're, we're getting higher now, guys. We, we, everybody around is watching this because now we're moving on up. We're moving on up because the word here, the operative word that jumps out at us is the word Inheritance. The word inheritance. In him, in Christ, we have obtained what? We have an inheritance. You go, what does that word mean? It means an allotment and it means privilege. This is who you are in Christ. You've got an inheritance. You've got an inheritance. You are blessed right here with inheritance. But but you are blessed with two things. You go, what are they? First of all, God gives us an inheritance... But he also made us an inheritance. The first one we see, first Peter chapter one, three and four said, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again unto a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Here it is to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That's a blessing. We are he gives us an inheritance, but he also makes us an inheritance for Christ. We have obtained an inheritance. How? The church is his body, a temple, and a bride. And we all share in his glory. Furthermore, like my wife says to say, furthermore, because we're united in united with Christ, here's the thing. We have received, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. We have that inheritance. Okay, look at verse 12. That we, you and I, who first trusted in Christ, should be the praise of glory. He's saying this to the Jews first who trusted, now us. In him, there it is again, you guys, you have trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Okay, let me give you the sixth construction. Here's the sixth story. This is it. We're at the top. This is beautiful. It's circled that word for sealed. He says this, when we first trusted in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also you believed, and you were sealed with the heaven with the Holy Spirit of promise. The word sealed there, check this out. It's a stamp with a signet ring. In other words, God takes his beautiful signet ring, the Holy Spirit, and says, You're mine. You're mine. You're mine. And that's the Holy Spirit that lives inside you. Let me just say this, church, listen to me, when you sin and you feel something called conviction, that's the Holy Spirit wanting us to grow. Sometimes we get angry at conviction. oh I I can never do anything no it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey 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 listen this is this is not this is Come on, let's let's go back. Let's go back and let's do this again. You see, the Bible just said that He's our guarantee. Do you know what a guarantee is? Do you know when you that it's a guarantee? It's a guarantee. It's earnest money. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside us. And now look at it again. When you and I, when you and I in him, you trusted, you put your faith and trust in him after you heard the word of truth. You heard the good news of your salvation. Wait a minute, Jesus died for me? Are you kidding me? In whom you believed? He says, all of a sudden you were healed. You were healed. Now notice what he says. This verse is so important because it outlines the way of salvation. Please, nobody move at this point. Why? This is the most one of the most important parts. When the sinner hears the word of truth and puts his trust in Christ, he then receives the Holy Spirit and he's sealed forever. After you believe ought to be really when you believe. Many times after service, I'll say, I'm going to give an altar call. I'm going to ask somebody who wants to give their life. And here's, here's how it goes. I, I would ask you to raise your hand because I want to pray first. You go, well, Ben, I raised my hand. Does that mean I'm saved? No, no. I, you're just, the Lord is already drawing you. Oftentimes, I'll have you stand where you are, or you might make your way to the front to pray a prayer. And I will say this, words alone aren't sufficient to save. You can pray this prayer all day long and if you don't mean it, then you're not saved. You understand that? Salvation comes when you believe, when you're born from above and when your life is changed. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Well, pastor, I walked an aisle when I was four. No, have you changed? Because the Spirit is going to come inside you He's going to seal you, and now He's going to walk with you because your identity has changed. Come on, somebody. How many of you realize the the person that you once were before Christ is dead? He's dead. You're a new creation. Listen. God's The Spirit of God's guarantee is that He will give us an inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we would bring praise and glory to Him. Now here's what I love. We're sitting on the sixth floor high-rise. We're moving on up. We, We are no longer what the world tells us. We're no longer destitute. We're no longer poor. We're no longer... Um, we have all these spiritual blessings. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. We need to we need to appropriate that. We need to appropriate that. You go, what do you mean? For example, I looked at Soph just a minute, and I said, Soph, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to do you a favor, Soph. Soph, I am going to write you a check for a million dollars. I Yeah, he did not believe I have it, but I have it. I have it. I might need to borrow some money, Joe, but uh, I have it. So I get my checkbook out, and Soph still doesn't believe. But I write, I write a million. I said, Sophany, and they can write it to them. It's a million dollars. Soph takes the check. He puts it in his wallet. Is he a millionaire? Huh? He's not a millionaire, is he? What does he have to do? Appropriate the check, doesn't he? Now, if he's smart, he's going to run to the bank and say, "Cash this check." I, I want that. Now, as soon as he appropriates the as soon as he hands that check, and they say, yes, sir, yes, sir, it's 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 valid, it's good, you're a million dollars, he's going, and the, the next step, he's, he's moving on up. He's got a million dollars, right? And what's he going to do? He's going to take care of his daughter, he's going to buy his pastor a nice house, he's going to buy all this stuff. Why? Because he's blessed, isn't he? But I guaranteed that the money was in there. I guaranteed it. I said, it's there. Go, go. But he's not a millionaire, church. Listen, until he appropriates it. And it's the same for you. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. But you have to appropriate the check. You have to say, yes, Lord. I receive all of these things. I'm found in you. This is good. This is good the devil comes, well, you're still a sinner. You go, I know. Isn't that the crazy thing? That's love. Because even though we still blow it, even though we still mess up, even though we still make mistakes, he goes, no, no, no. I still got you. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee that you're going to go to heaven. And one day you're going to hear that trumpet sound. And because the Holy Spirit lives in you, he says, let's go. Come on home. Come on home. Remember Hedy Green? You guys remember Hedy Green? She was a woman who possessed great wealth. But she didn't have the ability to tap in it. You and I, as believers in Christ, possess great wealth. Spiritual blessings in the heaven. But here's the point don't leave here without the ability to tap into it. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your great love and your mercy and your grace. Lord, I am blown away. This is who you this is us. This is our redemption. Lord, last week we saw the book of Romans and how, how you, you just work with us and you brought us to a place of salvation, but here you're, you're already blessing us, heavenly Lord. You chose us, you predestined us, you redeemed us, you showed us the church, you gave us an inheritance and then you, healed us, you sealed us with the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. But Lord, my prayer today is that many in the body of Christ are like Hetty Green. They don't understand this portion of Scripture. They're struggling with their identity. I pray today that you would open, let the scales fall, that open the eyes, Lord, of their heart. This is who they are. Not so that we're prideful and we walk around like some um, super high-rise spiritual clique, God, but that we can see who we are so that we can reach those that are not. May pride never enter our heart. That is our custom, Lord. We never want to leave our time together without offering an opportunity for anyone to say yes to you. And so, Father, maybe they've come here today and they've they've been walking, Lord. I don't know. I get this picture of their they're walking a fence, God. They have one foot in the world and one in you. And Lord, maybe today, God, that. Uh, you're wanting to do you're wanting to call them into into a, just a beautiful place and you're wanting them to be in Christ so with every eye closed and every head bowed i would ask with as much love how many of you today would say pastor would you pray for me i'm ready i'm ready to give my life 100% to jesus christ i'm ready to surrender completely and if that's you, just like I said, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God's Spirit is really in that you're opening up your heart to believe. Would you do that? Would you just lift up your hand right now? Why would I have to lift up my hand? Because God wants to see your heart. Okay, God wants to see your heart. If you're lifting up your hand, you're saying yes to Jesus 100%. No turning back, no turning back. God bless you, my brother. I see you to my right. Anyone else? Nobody looking around, nobody looking around, just you. Just lift up your hand. Between you and the Lord, you're saying yes to Him. God bless you. God bless you, my sister. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? No turning back. No turning back. This is you. If you lifted up your hand, go ahead and put him down. Father, I pray for the hands that were raised, and I pray that you would do that. Lord, it's your Spirit that moved. Not not my words, Lord. Not the silly reference to the Jeffersons, but it's by your Holy Spirit that we're saved. And I lift up and I pray for the two hands that were raised here today and say, Yes, Lord, do a work. Do a work, God. Save these beautiful people like you did us. If you raised your hand, would you pray this prayer just quietly in your spirit? Just telling the Lord that you love him. And you might start off with saying, Lord Jesus, Forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry. I've walked away from you. I've done things that were contrary to you. I've sinned against you, God. But I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you were buried, and on the third day, according to your word, you rose again. And I believe when you rose and you ascended to heaven, you sent the Holy Spirit. And now, I want the Holy Spirit as my guarantee. I receive all that you have for me, and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And I'm asking you now, Lord, to come into my heart to be my Lord, to be my God, to be my Savior, and to be my friend. I choose this day, Sunday, January 22nd, 2023, to follow you, Jesus, for forever. I'm yours. I'm making that commitment today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we're so stinking blessed to have you in the family of God and we love you we love you we love you we want to give you a bible and a bible study guide we want to help you and um, man next week next week church listen Paul prays that we would understand what we learn and I know that I went way over but I had so much to cover and I still didn't do it justice because God is so big but I love you guys Talia's gonna. She's going to lead us out in worship and show clothes. Love you. Have a great week. See you on Wednesday. Hot dogs at 6. Come and share. Love you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.